Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm up from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. As joining me in the second segment, we've got Matt Josephs, better known as Mid-Major Matt, joining me. It is great to be able to get him aboard from the great state of Pennsylvania. We're going to be chatting with him about what we're all going to be having on the card for Sunday. We're also going to be looking at some things with him as well. When it comes to splits, home and road splits, do you wind up gauging them a little bit more for a guy's career versus a guy that might be having a little bit of an out-of-the-ordinary season when it comes to his splits? What do you look at when it comes to recency do you look at the last 14 days last five starts with a pitcher so we're going to be running through that we're going to have some fun there and then in the final segment going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this sunday and a little something you like to call touch them off first things first always love to be able to answer your twitter questions on this podcast and you got one or two ways we all fire those in first one is my twitter timeline at jaren's 41 keep in mind the letters cm they mean does not matter so as per usual send these into the timeline other ways find an apple podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated and then from there you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you into there. Did wind up getting in a few questions today, so let's dive into them. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We get this one in from, I kid you not on the name, yeah, okay, I will give you the Twitter handle at Z-A-N-Z-I-U-Z. I am not even going to try to pronounce that. And they ask at GNRSQuarty1, do you have a podcast or a tutorial where you break down how you handicap MLB totals and 
pretty much how I handicap MLB totals is exactly what you hear when it comes to my analysis on all these games. I don't necessarily have one tried and true way. We're going to be talking to mid-major Matt a little bit later about what we wind up taking a look at when it comes to home and road splits with so many of these pitchers, what we take a look at when it comes to recency as well, but there's just so much that goes into handicapping totals, and it's very different from game to game because sometimes you'll find a team winds up having some familiarity with a pitcher and it can mean a world of difference. There are just some teams that wind up having a guy's number. Like, for instance, you take a look at someone that wound up taking the mound yesterday for the Colorado Rockies and Kyle Freeland. He's actually done a halfway decent job against the LA Dodgers. Meanwhile, you take a look at someone that has not necessarily had the world's greatest go of it. Someone like a Miami Marlins against Vince Velasquez, for example. Vince Velasquez has always been really good against the Miami Marlins and not so good against everyone else. As we're finding out, Matt Harvey apparently does a really good job against the Washington Nationals, hasn't necessarily been doing such a good job against so many of these other teams. That's something that you've got to take a look at. You've got to take a look at the lineup for that day as well, because as we know, when Shoei Otani and Jared Walsh are out of the fold for the LA Angels, it's going to make a world of difference versus when they are in there. You've got to be taking a look at some teams that wind up mashing lefties more than righties, and vice versa, do better against righties versus lefties. So there's a whole lot of things when it comes to that and then you just wind up having weather like when it comes to the wind that is a complete and under non-factor when you wind up having a stadium with a roof over it but if you've got something like say Wrigley Field the reason why you never have an overnight total at Wrigley Field is because the wind dictates so much of it if the wind is blowing in it's really going to sink these totals to typically seven or lower when the wind is blowing out you're going to find double digit totals so there is just so much that goes into it it's a reason why I go into why I set the total like I do on so many of my game breakdowns because there just is no one set way of doing it. I don't have one algorithm that spits out a total. Every game is its own living, breathing entity, just like with some restaurants. They wind up mass producing everything. They just take everything from a box. They plop it in the fryer. Others, they make it fresh for you. I make every one of these fresh. And then we get this one in from Michael Shockley. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Shockle. And then he has at GRS41. If a fan just started betting, would you recommend that they try and focus on one division, a few teams, maybe just a few players that they follow? And my biggest recommendation is don't necessarily go with just a set division. Don't necessarily just go with a couple different teams. But what I would recommend is to just wind up doing what I would like to call a dry run. You're taking a look at lines. You can maybe hone in on a couple different teams. You can just go with the entire board all together. Just find what you would wind up betting for that day. You mark down, okay, I would take like the Milwaukee Brewers at minus 125, for example. We're just spitballing here. You wind up tracking that result. Maybe you wind up taking in over in the Mets versus Blue Jays game. You know, okay, I would be betting over 9. The book that I plan on betting at, it has minus 105 juice, or if you're looking to shop around, I've got anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. You make just a little bit of a mental note on that. You wind up gauging it for a couple weeks, and you wind up looking at your strengths and weaknesses, because there are some people out there that wind up doing a great job being able to bet first fives. There are others that do a better job of being able to bet a full game. There are some out there that do a great job with totals not so great of a job on sides and some people are the exact opposites by doing this dry run just noting what you like and being able to gauge your results 
you're able to hone in on what sort of a better you are, what some of your strengths are, what some of your weaknesses are. That is the biggest recommendation that I can give to anyone else. Just feel good about what you're betting before you wind up betting it. Obviously, never bet more than you are willing to lose, but just try to figure out just what works for you and what does not. That is the absolute biggest recommendation. Some of you might find that betting just a couple select teams, that works out best for you. Some of you guys might find that you don't necessarily have one team that you've got a good rhythm with. Much like myself, it's just all being able to gauge a league in general. Try to do your best to be able to find out what winds up working out for you and what does not and go from there. So hopefully that answers your questions. Always appreciate it. Now let's take a look back at everything that we saw from the MLB on Saturday. Tried to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. It was a great day for the Milwaukee Brewers on Saturday as they wind up taking down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 6-1. One Carlos Rodan wound up having one of his shortest starts of the year. He gives up four runs, only two of which were earned. Now, he was hurt by his own fielding error, and then his catchers at Collins. Well, he wound up making a pair of errors of his own, so that was not necessarily too great. But he did wind up giving up two home runs in the process, as the Brewers would get four in total. Colton Wong winds up taking Mr. Rodon deep, his eighth home run of the season. And then Tyrone Taylor gets his ninth off of Rodon, and then... Rowdy Tellez, who the Brewers wound up trading for with the Blue Jays a few weeks ago. He gets not one, but two home runs. His fifth and sixth of the campaign, those come off of White Sox relief pitching as Jose Ruiz winds up serving up one of those home runs. It was a solo home run, so he gives up one run over the course of two innings. One of my favorite names to say, Rinaldo Lopez winds up giving up one of those as well. as He gives up just that solo home run in two innings as well. For the White Sox, just nothing doing on offense as the Brewers were able to get a good start out of one Coben Burns as he goes six innings, gives up one run. Brent Suter from there gives you two scoreless innings, and Miguel de Sanchez was able to give this team a scoreless inning. So the Brewers certainly surging right now. This is a bunch in which they wind up getting swept against the Kansas City Royals, but all in all, they are now 5-2 and two ever since the All-Star break, and offense has been able to get clicking for them as well. And offense is certainly clicking. That would be the Atlanta Braves. A 15 spot is what they put up on the Philadelphia Phillies. 15-3 to three the final is. Here's the list of guys that want going deep for the Atlanta Braves. Jack Peterson, his 13th home run of the season. Abraham Almonte, his third home run of the season. Ozzy Albies, his 16th home run of the season. Austin Riley gets his 16th. And then Freddie Freeman gets his 23rd as one Vince Velasquez did not last long in this game. He gets seven outs and he gives up six runs, all of which were earned. That is not what you were looking for. And Yale Los Santos gives up four runs, three of which were earned while being able to get four outs of his own. You had Christopher Sanchez give up one unearned run in two innings. He was hurt by a Didi Gregorius error and then an error of his own, so that's just absolutely terrific. Brandon Kitzler gets five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run, but it got so bad that position player Ronald Torres winds up coming in for one and two-thirds innings. He gives up four runs in the process, including two of those bombs, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, they go 0 of 10 with men in scoring position, stranding 11 men on base as Drew Smiley goes four scoreless innings in this one. He was removed very early, but then from there, Josh Shomlin gives up one run in one and two-thirds innings. You have Luke Jackson give up two runs, one of which was earned in his inning of relief, but Shane Green lowers his ERA to a nine with a scoreless inning, and Tyler Madzik gets four outside the bullpen without giving up anything, so that was solid. He wound up seeing a couple comebacks out there in Major League Baseball as well on Saturday. A big one was had by the New York Yankees who entered into the 8th inning down by a count of 3-0. to zero. They put up a 4th spot in that 8th 
as they are able to get the W by kind of 4-3, as Runet Odorwa had a pair of RBI in that inning as Jamison Tyon. He winds up giving up three runs in seven innings, but only one of which was earned. Ironically enough, it was Runet Odor who came up with two errors in the field that wound up hurting him, but then from there, Jonathan Lewis got fresh off of the COVID list. He winds up giving the team a scoreless inning, and it's a little bit adventurous for Aroldis Jamin. He gives up a walk and a hit, but he was able to close things out in the ninth inning. As for the Boston Red Sox, no home runs in this one. They go 1-7 with men in scoring position. Nathan E. Valdi was solid in this one, though. Seven and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs, but then Ida Montavino in that eighth inning gives up two runs while getting just one out. Josh Shaler was able to give you a scoreless inning, and for the Boston Red Sox, they are still very solid against the Yankees, losing just three times all year to their arch rival, but with that said, Yankees, a big comeback in this one. The San Diego Padres wind up falling to the Miami Marlins, who wind up starting in this one. Braxton Garrett, so not necessarily the best look there as they wind up losing this game by kind of 3-2. to two. Ryan Weathers goes four scoreless innings in his start, but he winds up walking three in the process, wound up getting his pitch count up a little bit. Craig Salmon from there, two scoreless innings, but Tim Hill winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, and Salmon did wind up giving up a run, but it was an unearned run. Manny Machado wound up having that error out there in the field. Austin Adams gave you an out of the bullpen, and Emilio Pagan a scoreless inning. And for the Padres, both of their runs came off of solo home runs, both off of Garrett. Ryan Weathers opted out his own cause, his first career home run. And then it was the 30th home run of the campaign of one Fernando Tatis Jr., but for Garrett, still a really good start on a little bit short notice. Punches out 10, gives up those two solo home runs over the course of seven innings, and then the former Dodgers, Emi Garcia, Dylan Flora, both give you a scoreless inning to be able to get it done. If you wind up taking the New York Post play of the day of the Detroit Tigers money line, this is just absolutely awful. Tigers are up by kind of 6-0, to and they blow it. 9-8, to the Kansas City Royals wind up getting the W of what was a crazy game for the Detroit Tigers. Pair of home runs in this one. Akil Badu tried to bring the team back in the ninth inning. He gets his ninth home run season off of Greg Holland and Jameer Candelario, his seventh as the Royals. Did not get what they were looking for out of Mr. Carlos Hernandez in his start. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in two and two-thirds innings. Ryan Lovelady gives up one run in one and a third innings, but then from there, you wind up having Domingo Tapia, Tyler Zuber, Jake Branch, Josh Samount all give you a scoreless signing out of the bullpen. Holland winds up giving up that two-run shot to Akil Badu in the ninth, and then Wade Davis winds up cleaning up the mess from there. And for the Royals, pair of home runs of their own. Salvador Perez, 22nd home run of the season that comes out from Mr. Casey Mize and Carlos Santana was able to play his beat to his 17th home run of the season. That comes off of Kyle Funkhauser. And Funkhauser, who has been doing a great job out of the bullpen all year long, boy, did he give it up in this one. Gets two outs, gives up five runs, all of which weren't, including that home run to Mr. Santana. For Casey Mize, a rare over for him. I believe that this is just the sixth start that he's had in his last 19 that have went over. He gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. Daniel Norris was able to clean up the fifth. You wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Buck Farmer along Joey Menes and Ian Krull was able to give you an out of the bullpen without giving up a run, but the Detroit Tigers, after winning seven straight, have now lost each other last two. The Cincinnati Reds, who wound up getting swept by the Milwaukee Brewers about a week or so ago, they look to be getting back online. They have now won three out of their last four games. They take down the St. Louis Cardinals by kind of five to three, and for the Cardinals, three runs are fear for them, and I believe now eight out of their last 11 games. As for the Cardinals, they were not able to get any home runs in this one. They do go three of ten with men scoring position, and the Woodford, Jake Woodford, not a great start, not a terrible one. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. C.J. McFarland gives up two runs in two innings, and John Gant was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Reds, 
Luis Castillo and his re-rise, I guess you could say, is continuing. Gives up just one run over the course of seven innings. This is a guy that had like a 70 RA after the first month of the season. That is now down to a 420 Brad Brock. He was not able to get the job done on the bullpen. Gets two outs, but gives up two runs in the process. But Sean Doolittle was able to get the team out of the eighth inning. And Eth Embry was able to get a save. So the Cincinnati Reds get it done there along with a pair of homers to be able to lift them the victory. Joey Votto, 13th home run season. Jesse Winker, his 20th big considering the fact that they are currently playing without Nick Cassianos. A team that is playing without a star, that would be the LA Angels as Mike Trout still currently out of the fold, but after Shohei Otani wound up getting a day of rest on Friday, they were able to get him back, and they were able to get the W by kind of 2-1 to one as Otani winds up getting two hits in this one, so he was able to play a big part of it. And how about Patrick Sandoval? He gives up one run in eight and two-thirds innings, punching out 13. Rossi Iglesias gets a final out of the game for his 21st save of the season, and for the Minnesota Twins, his offense is scuffling right now with not having in the full Mr. Nelson Cruz. They get just two hits in this one. Josh Donaldson was able to give the team an RBI double. And for Jose Barrios, this is the textbook definition of a tough luck loser. He goes seven innings and he gives up two hundred runs as he was hurt by a fielding error. And then from there, Caleb Theobar, Ode Alcala give you a combined two scoreless innings. And for the Angels, they have now won twice in the last week in games in which they've scored three runs or fewer. And so that's very fascinating. What else is fascinating? Matt Harvey has been able to give the Baltimore Orioles a couple good starts recently. 5-3. The Orioles are able to get the W. And for Matt Harvey, he winds up going six scoreless innings in this one. So... How about that? His second straight start going six scoreless innings. Bullpen tried to give this one away. Tanner Scott gives up a run in an inning, and Adam Blutko winds up giving up two runs in an inning as going deep off of him, Mr. Juan Soto. 17th home run of the season and his sixth since the All-Star break, but Dylan Tate was able to get his second save of the season, and for the Orioles, pair of home runs of their own. Ryan Mountcastle, 16th home run of the season, and Trey Boom and Mancini is 17th. Those both come off of John Lester. Wound up getting the start because Max Scherzer wound up getting scratched before this game. Who knows if it's due to injury, if it's due to him perhaps getting traded. We will find out in the next few days, but he gives up three runs. Lester does in the course of five innings from there. Austin both gives up two runs in an inning. Sam Clay, Danny Hudson both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Washington Nationals, losing two straight to the Baltimore Orioles and losing three straight overall, not necessarily the world's greatest look as they try to climb back into it in the NL East race, and it's not going well for them. Not going well for the Mets either. They wind up losing to the Toronto Blue Jays by a kind of 10-3. to Unjun Ryu did not wind up giving his world's best start. Gives up 10 hits over the course of four and a third innings, three runs, and then from there, the bullpen was really able to take hold. Rafael Dolis and Trevor Richards both give you a scoreless inning. Tim Maza, Taylor Sacido both give you two outs without giving up a run. Adam Simber, four outs out of the bullpen. And for the Blue Jays, how about these guys that wind up going deep? Tasker Hernandez, not once but twice, 14th of 15th home runs of the season. Bo Bichette, his 17th home run of the season. Marcus Simeon, his 24th home run season. And George Springer's eighth, as Mets pitching just got destroyed. Taiwan Walker gives up three runs in four innings, six runs in total. The three home runs that he winds up giving up, I believe, match the amount that he had given up at home all season long. Miguel Castro, along with Yancy Diaz, both give you a scoreless signing out of the bullpen, but then you wind up having Drew Smith come in. He gives up one of those home runs, a solo home run over the course of two innings, and then Anthony Banda comes in for an inning. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned for a Mets team that entered in this game 29-14 and 14 at home. That was the second best home winning percentage out there in the big leagues. The best belongs to the San Francisco Giants, and they got pulverized at home by the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 10-2. As for the Pirates, just one home run this one. That comes off the bat of one Gregory Palunco is a left home run the season. That comes off of Kevin Gosman as... 
Pittsburgh winds up going 6 of 14 with men in scoring position and for Gosman gives up 6 runs over the course of 4 and a third innings. He now has an ERA of a 221 that has been risen quite a bit as it's been a little bit of tough sledding from the Giants are now 2 and 3 in his last 5 starts but by and large having a very good season. From there, John Brebo was able to give you one and two-thirds inning scoreless. You wind up having Mike Talkman wind up pitching the ninth. He gives up a run in an inning. That's a position player. That's not good. Jose Alvarez, a scoreless inning. Zach Liddell gives up three runs in an inning of his own. Lone form of brightness for the Giants. Lamonte Wade Jr. gets a sent home run the season that comes off of William Crow, who came into this game not necessarily in the greatest of form, but he gives up just two runs in a little bit north of five innings. He's now given up approximately two runs in four out of his last six starts as he winds up going five and a third in this one. From there, you wind up getting scoreless innings out of Kyle Keller, Chris Strain, along with Austin Davis, and you wind up getting two outs out of Clay Holmes without him giving up a run. So the Pirates have now taken two straight from the San Francisco Giants. The LA Dodgers, after they wound up losing three straight at home, got back on track. 1-0, to zero, they take down the Colorado Rockies for the Rockies. Just two hits in this one as LA Dodgers pitching was very good. Tony Gonsolin winds up giving up two hits in five and a third innings. And then from there, Alex Vasilla gives you four outside the bullpen without giving up anything. Blake Tryon and Kenley Jansen both come in for a scoreless setting. And after Kenley Jansen blew three straight saves, he winds up converting this one. And Joe Kelly winds up giving it out, out of the bullpen. And for the Dodgers, lone form of offense in this one, Austin Barnes. Fourth home run the season. That comes off of Kyle Freeland. And Freeland has actually looked very good recently. He has out given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last six starts. He gives up that solo run over the course of seven innings. You really can't do much more than that. Michael Givens gives up nothing in his inning of relief as well. But for the Colorado Rockies, they have just 10 wins on the road so far this season. That is the fewest out there in baseball. Even fewer than the Arizona Diamondbacks who wind up getting a win on Saturday by kind of 7-3. And don't look now. But the Diamondbacks have won five out of their last six games. A pair of home runs in this one. Dalton Varsho was able to go deep. That is his fourth home run of the season. And then you get the sixth home run of the season off the bat of Andrew Young. As for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly has been the antidote for this team. He winds up going six innings, giving up two runs. The Arizona Diamondbacks are now 5-1 and one in his last six starts. I believe that they're 6-1 and one in his last seven. From there, Brett guys, Noah Ramirez, Taylor Clippard all give you an inning out of the bullpen. guys winds up giving up a run, but Clippard and Noah Ramirez give you a scoreless one. And for the Chicago Cubs, this was not necessarily what you were hoping for out of the bullpen. As Alec Mills, not a bad start in this one. Considering the wind was blowing out, giving up two runs over the course of five innings, not bad. Dan Winkler, Ryan Tapera wind up giving you a scoreless inning, but Andrew Chafin gives up three runs, and he got as many outs as I did. Trevor McGill gives you two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but Rex Brothers... Oh, brothers, he gets four outs, but gives up two runs along the way. And for the Cubs, you did have a home run off of Merrill Clay from Wilson Contreras. 15th home run of the season, but for the Cubs, this is a team that is looking really, really bad right now. I believe that they are now 6-19 and in their last 25 games. A team that has not necessarily been so terrific recently either. That would be the Cleveland Indians as they wind up losing to the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 8-2. to two. For the Rays, how about this slugfest? Austin Meadows, two home runs in this one. 17th and 18th home runs of the season. Brett Phillips' his fifth home run of the season and G-Man Choi is sixth. Drew Rasmussen winds up getting a pseudo-open in this one. He winds up giving up one solo home run over the course of three innings going deep for the Cleveland Indians. Bobby Bradley is 11th home run of the season and then you wind up having... Two innings with one underrun given up by Lewis Head. And then two scoreless innings out. Jeffrey Springs, Diego Casio, and Andrew Kittredge both give you a scoreless inning. And for the Cleveland Indians, 
John Carlos Mejia wound up just eating it for the team. He gave up three total home runs, giving up five runs in total over the course of six innings. You wind up having three runs in an inning given up by Trevor Steven and Blake Parker and Phil Mayton. Both give you a scoreless inning before the race. This is a team that has been one of the best teams on the road all year long. A 30-21 and road record. And now they are tied with the Boston Red Sox due to their collapse atop of the AL East. A team that has been on top all year long is the Houston Astros, and they take it to the Texas Rangers by a count of 4-1. to one. For Kyle Gibson, he winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings. Eli White, who's been doing nothing at the plate, he committed a throwing error in this one. From there, you wind up having Joe Barlow give you a scoreless inning, and Josh Shorbich winds up giving up a solo home run in his ending of work going deep for the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez, 18th home run of the season, and for Framber Valdez, he winds up going six hitless innings, but he gave up six, six walks along the way, so... There was that. There was the best of it and there was the worst of it, but he does not mind giving up a hit in the course of six innings. From there, Brian Abadeu was able to give you a scoreless inning, so they technically had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning combined. Ryan Sanic winds up giving up a hit, but no runs in his inning of relief. And then Ryan Presley winds up giving up a solo home run to Andy Ibanez in the ninth inning, his second home run of the season. So the Texas Rangers were able to get up on the board. It wasn't necessarily a whole heck of a lot of offense, and I am doing this as this game is just wrapping up, but the Seattle Mariners were able to take it down the Oakland A's as they were able to get a walk-off winner in this one. For the Oakland A's, Chris Bassett did not have a hook, line, and sinker in this one. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings, giving up a pair of homers along the way. Sergio Romo, Deolis Carrera, both come in, combine three scoreless innings out of them. And for the Oakland A's, you were able to get a home run that came off the bat of Mr. Aramis Garcia. His third home run season for the Seattle Mariners. Had a pair of home runs in this one out of Mitch Hanniger, both off of Mr. Bassett. His 24th and 25th home runs of the season for Logan Gilbert, a guy that has been so solid for the Seattle Mariners all year long. They have now won each out of his last 10 starts, so this one he wasn't necessarily so solid, and he gives up three runs in two and two-thirds innings, but the bullpen did their part. True second rider gives up a run in his inning of relief, but Paul Sewell, Kendall Graveman, Casey Sadler, and Anthony Mitrovich all give you a scoreless inning, and JT Jargois gives you one and a third inning scoreless as well, so the Seattle Mariners just continue to win very, very close games. And if you're looking at what is going to be able to make you some money right now, let's take a look at what we've all seen ever since the All-Star break. Home teams have been very good. 54 and 38. They're hitting at a little bit over a clip of 58% favorites. They are now 48 and 43. So you're winning at about a rate of 53%. Overs have been doing very badly the last seven days. We have seen 37 overs and 48 unders. So that's an under rate of a little bit under 57%. If you're looking more the last 30 days, so this covers pretty much all the sticky substances and everything like that. 164 overs and 169 unders over the last three days, so unders are making a little bit of a surge. Favorites in that time span, 211 and 140, so they're hitting at a clip of a little bit over 60% in home teams, winning at a rate of about 57.5%, 204 and 151, and if you're looking overall for the season, home teams are now 8, 10, and 655, hitting at a clip of about 55.3%. Favorites, 852 and 599, so a little bit over 58.7% to favorites. And overall, if you're looking at overs and unders, 704 overs, 696 unders. So it's relatively equal there. A man that does a great job of being able to find those edges, though, a man that does a great job of being able to break down the baseball betting board, that would be our good buddy Matt Josephs, a.k.a. Mid-Major Matt, coming up next. We're going to be chatting with him about Sunday's card and just looking at how he utilizes splits in his handicapping in general. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Dave Peterson.
Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get on this next guest as we've got Matt Josephs, better known as Mid-Major Matt, joining me on the podcast. He does great work as a handicapper for a wide variety of areas. You're able to hear him quite frequently on SportsGrid. I know he's joined us a few times as a guest on the Vegas Hats and Information Network as well. As you can tell from the name Mid-Major Matt, this is a man that does a lot when it comes to college basketball, but this time of year, he does a great job on the diamond as well. And to follow Mid-Major Matt, easy enough, at Mid-Major Matt on Twitter. And Matt, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Always good to uh, join you. Always things going on in the baseball world. It is always great to get you aboard, and it's always great to talk about the NL East as well, because we always look in football at the NFC East. We've been calling it the NFC Least the last few years. I feel like we can do that with the NL East as well, and when it comes to the Mets, I still think that they are the best team in this division, and they do wind up going out, and they wind up being able to get a guy in Rich Hill that it looks like is going to be starting on Sunday against Ross Tripoli. Going to be really interesting to see what we're able to get in his debut because when he was at the Tampa Bay race, he was relatively solid. Now, the last few starts, a little bit more shaky, but I just still recall that absolutely tremendous month of June in which he gave up a grand total of three runs. I think that that's a little bit of an admiration. I also think the fact that he wound up giving up approximately four runs in his first four starts of the year was an admiration as well. Not sure what you're expecting from Hill in a Mets uniform, but as we know, the Mets have the best home ERA in the big leagues right now, and this is a team that, by and large, they've been able to do well at City Field. Well, I mean, key to Rich Hill's success with the Rays was they always seemed to know when he was struggling and when he was about to struggle. And, you know, he may only last five innings, but he gives you five solid innings. And so can the Mets replicate what the Rays did and not try and stretch him out? You know, he hasn't gone that much. If you look the last two months, he went more than five innings just once. He went six innings in Washington against the Nationals. And, you know, rarely he went past that fifth inning. So the key is the Mets have to know when he's starting to lose gas and then get to that bullpen. So the Rays just managed to know everything about him and when he was starting to slow down. We'll see if the Mets can do the same thing. It is going to be interesting to see what we're able to get out of Hill because despite the fact that he is the oldest active starting pitcher out there in the big leagues at 41 years old, he has been able to put together a relatively solid season. And then on the other side, you've got a Blue Jays team that they're trying to claw their way back into the American League wildcard hunt as well. And if there is a team that is going to wreck the apple cart among the teams that are currently not in the playoffs right now in the American League, I really do think that it's the Blue Jays. I recognize that the Yankees and the Mariners are a little bit in front of them, but I'm just taking a look at this Yankees team. I'm not like what I'm, what I'm seeing out of them. And with the Seattle Mariners entering into Saturday night, 52-46, and 46, despite a negative 54 run differential, I think that that's built a little bit on sand as well. So this is a big game for the Blue Jays as well, especially for Oz Stripling, who on Monday just got completely pulverized by the Red Sox. Yeah, as a guy who has some futures on the unders for Toronto, of course, I will be rooting for the Mets. The Blue Jays are somewhat on pace to go over the win total. It was 87 before the season began. But yeah, Ross Stripling's a fascinating guy in that he has these waves where he's striking out a lot of guys. He has not done that the last couple starts. 0, 5, 5, and 3 his last four starts. He's got a 5 ERA on the road. And he's really bad the first time through the order. Teams have a 304 batting average against him the first time through the order. Second time is a 175. So it seems like you better get the stripling early because that second time through he seemingly figures something out and, and starts to buckle down a little bit 
I agree with you. I think that with stripling, it's just all about also not giving up the deep ball as well. Did a terrible job against that against the Boston Red Sox in his last start, but certainly if he's able to limit the home run or two that it seems like he gives up in every game to a solo shot rather than a three-run shot or a Hunter Renfro grand slam, he should be fine. As we do have Matt Joseph, a.k.a. Mid-Major Matt, joining me on the podcast. And Matt, I know that you are out there in the great city of Philadelphia, and it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting on Sunday in this Braves versus Phillies matchup as Aaron Supernola has not necessarily been so super so far this year, and he's going up against a guy in Tuki Toussaint that a lot has been expected of him throughout his MLB career, made his season debut on Tuesday and looked very good. Six and two-thirds innings, gave up one run. Last year, the guy was a complete and utter hot mess, and again, I know a lot of people were a hot mess when it came to the shortened season as well. I just take a look at Tuki Toussaint, and I think the big question for him is, is he able to locate? Because throughout his career, he's got a strikeout-to-walk rate that is sub-2. If he's able to locate, I think that he could have an okay time with the Phillies. If he is giving out walks, I think that this could get ugly fast. Yeah, it could be one of those situations where you look at the umpire early to see how big of a strike zone he has. This is the fourth time Aaron Nola has seen the Braves this season, giving up 11 runs and 18 hits in 15 and two-thirds innings. Of course, people who follow me know that Aaron Nola is a guy you want to back at home, and you don't want to back him on the road. He is home for this matchup. He's also a better pitcher in the daytime, 2-0 with a 2-6-3 ERA and seven starts, 50 strikeouts to eight walks in the daytime. A couple guys that have really good numbers against him. Ozzie Albies is 10 for 38. Freddie Freeman, who's seemingly hits every Phillies pitcher is 14 of 53 with two homers. Austin Riley also has two homers. I'm a, you know, this could be me being too close to the situation, but I still don't necessarily trust Aaron Nola, even at home. I don't necessarily trust Tucson either. One of the best bets in baseball that I've talked about often is betting the run line when the Phillies get a lead because their bullpen has been so shaky. So let's say the Phillies do get out to like a two or three nothing lead. You might want to look at the Braves live in this game, especially if the run line's like two and a half, because you know, the Phillies are capable of giving up some late runs, especially against an offense like this. We have seen the Phillies blow a whole bunch of leads, and for the Atlanta Braves, so much was expected of them coming into the year. They have not been above 500 for a single day this year, which I find to be just absolutely fascinating, as we do have Matt Josephs, a.k.a. Mid-Major Matt, joining me on the podcast, and I'm so glad that when you were talking about Aaron Nola, you were talking about his home and road splits. Clearly, throughout his career, Aaron Nola has been much better in Philly than he has been on the road. A full point off of ZRA comes when he's at home rather than when he's on the road. We've seen a couple of these guys, and some of them are having interesting years as well. I take a look at Jose Barrios, someone who wound up pitching for the Minnesota Twins on Saturday. Throughout his career, he's been much better at home than he has been on the road, but this year, it's much more even. Same goes for Kyle Hendricks. He's always been terrific whenever he's been at Wrigley Field as opposed to on the road, but this year, he's actually been a tad better on the road than he has been at home. When you take a look at some of these guys that throughout their career, they just have always been better at home than they have been on the road, but you see a little bit of a reversal this year. What does that make you do? Do you look at the overall career numbers, or do you look at what they've done this season? Because that's something that I've been wrestling with myself. Well, I feel like you got to have to go throughout the pitcher's history and see. I mean, especially the guys who pitch in Coors Field. You know, this year, you look at John Gray, he's got better numbers at home. Herman Marquez has good numbers at home. Antonio Senzatella flips one way more than the other way. So, especially when you're dealing with the Rockies pitchers, you don't want to assume that they just pitch better on the road. Some of these guys are better at home. They're better suited at home. They're used to being in the rarefied air of Coors Field. You look 
look at a guy like Dane Dunning, who's been absolutely awful this season on the road. He's 0-5 with a 6-4-5 ERA. He's got such good numbers at home, but you could probably attribute that to him being such a young pitcher. So it's a case-by-case situation. If this year's an outlier, let's say somebody pitching bad this year on the road, but in the past they've been really good on the road, then you kind of take it with a grain of salt and you kind of look at the teams they've faced. If they've been against the Dodgers, the better offenses in the league. So you kind of have to examine the opponents besides the uh, splits as well. I think that that's such a good point that you bring up. And then something else I think we need to take a look at right now is guys and teams that might be sellers at the trade deadline. And I am looking at the Chicago Cubs right now because this is a bunch of ever since Zach Davies no hitter. They have won six games and they have lost 18. They lose to the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday. This is a team that they have not lost two out of their last three to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have really been scuffling whenever they face National League competition in general. Typically, this is a Cubs team that you want to trust quite a bit more at home than on the road. But even at home, things are not necessarily going well for them. They've got Trevor Williams, who's going to be on the mound on Sunday. And obviously, the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, the worst team out there in baseball. But I think it's going to be intriguing to handicap the Cubs the next few days because I feel like you could take one of two approaches. You take the approach of the Cubs are right now trying to be able to up their trade stock. They're trying to impress management as much as humanly possible to perhaps stay and be a flag bearer for the Cubs. Or you could take the approach of these guys are very sad that they're going to be broken up. They're just going to throw in the towel, things like this. And I feel like it's really going to be one or the other. You're probably not going to be seeing too much in the middle with that regard. And I think it's just going to be really interesting until that trade deadline comes to pass to take a look at this Cubs team because right now it just seems like these guys are moping around and well not necessarily given the world's greatest performance. Well yeah and certainly this is now also the time when you're going to start seeing teams with working on some sort of pitch counts. We've seen Casey Mize the last bunch of times go only three or four innings because the Tigers are managing his innings. Freddie Peralta is a guy who might see his uh, innings get managed. We saw some talk maybe that Carlos Rodon's innings may get managed a little bit so it's certainly important when you're handicapping as well to make sure to read the headlines because the managers speak before and after games now. And if they drop any sort of nuggets that'll help you out, you want to make sure to listen, especially because, you know, there's going to be playoffs in the future for the White Sox. There's going to probably be playoffs in the future for the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So if these guys are going to start seeing their innings cut back, you want to make sure to play some first fives or make sure to only isolate those starting pitchers if they're the reason why you want to make a bet. I think that that's such a good point that you bring up because we have been seeing it in baseball this year because there was a 60-game season last year. Some of these guys, they're just not used to the 162-game grind. We haven't had one since 2019. And I do feel like it's really started to affect some of the bullpens as well. I was mentioning the Chicago Cubs a little bit earlier. Prior to this ridiculously bad stretch that they had, they were one of the top bullpens out there in the big leagues. Overall, they've got a bullpen ERA that is in this top seven in the big leagues. But that's fool's gold because over the last three days, this has been a bottom five bullpen. You take a look at a bullpen of the Detroit Tigers, who you mentioned a little bit earlier with Casey Mize. Overall this year, their numbers are absolutely terrible, but over the last three days, they've been able to do a little bit better because in the Tigers' bullpen, what you have is quite a few guys that were playing in 2019, quite a few veteran arms. I think that that's something that you want to be taking a look at if you're a full game better as well, some of these bullpens, because some of these bullpens that might have younger guys that aren't used to this grind, I feel like they're starting to break down. We're seeing it with the Padres a little bit as well. Meanwhile, some of these teams in which you've got those veteran arms in the bullpen, I feel like they're 
able to sustain a little bit more and are currently having better results. Yeah, and you also want to see with regards to um, when you if you play strikeout props, you know, some of these uh, teams that have done really well have gone through struggling stretches. The Tigers were one of those teams that were towards the top, and now they've had a little stretch where they're not striking out as much. On the other side, you have the Astros, who are one of the best teams when it comes to strikeouts, and since the All-Star break have been in the top 10. So it's one of those things where you have to consistently check your numbers and go to your websites because things that you thought were correct may not necessarily always be correct. I'm right there with you, and I think that one of the toughest things that you can do as a handicapper is just weigh what you've been seeing like the last two weeks, last 21 days, what have you, versus the entire sample size as well as we do have mid-major Matt joining me on the podcast. I don't know how you wind up doing it, but I'm one of those people when it comes to starting pitchers, I like to take a look at their last five starts. I do think that that gives you a good barometer of how a guy has been doing recently. Sometimes it'll be more like last four. Sometimes it'll be last six, what have you. But typically right around that five-ish range, I feel like is good for me. And when you take a look at hitters that are on like a hot slash cold streak and offenses in general, I do like to take a look at, for me, either the last 10 games or the last two weeks because those are relatively good representatives of that. I don't know how you wind up gauging this, but those are some of the things that I use. And then obviously I don't let just that one sample size dictate everything. If you've got an example like the Houston Astros where they've been doing a good job all year, they've been a little bit cold. It's not like, Oh, Astros Hiddle should now be at like six or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Freddie. I kind of look since the All-Star break. Uh, you look at a guy like Freddie Freeman who has not swung and missed at a pitch since the All-Star break. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible. He had a streak before Friday of 10 straight games with a run scored. And then on the other hand, Shohei Otani has not been the same hitter since the home run derby, since the All-Star game and everything that's going on there. So it's just, you know, you want to kind of set your boundaries and say, okay, I'm a guy who's going to look at the last seven. I'm going to look at the last 10, whatever it is. But once again, people would blindly bet on Shohei Otani when he's clearly not the same guy. I'm right there with you and with Shohei Otani as well. Interesting that you point him out. Wound up getting a day off on Friday. We are recording this before we wound up seeing what he was able to do on Saturday for the Twins. So it'll be fascinating to see if that winds up refreshing him a little bit. And Matt, what is very refreshing is that you take a look at baseball from a wide variety of angles. I know that sometimes you go full game. A lot of times you like to rule out the bullpens. You'd like to go a little bit more with the first five. You look at strikeout props. You look at runs, hits, airs, list goes on and on. I think that you've made seven or eight different wagers on baseball games this season. Is there something that is really catching your eye that maybe we have yet to look at for Sunday's car? Well, I mean, it's the two teams that can't hit worth a darn right now. And as you said, we're entering in and the games just got underway. But the Marlins and the Rangers are teams that I've hit their team total unders a bunch of times. We had the one time that the Rangers team total over hit. And that was when the Tigers were sending uh, Scott Alexander. And then they put out Erasmo Ramirez. And it was basically all the garbage guys instead of the good players. But the Rangers can't hit right now. They're taking on an Astros team that's got a lot of good starting pitching. The Marlins also can't hit right now without Jazz Chisholm, without Cooper, without Anderson. They're just a team that just can't hit. And so you could take advantage of it, especially against good pitchers on Sunday. They're going to see you Darvish. Now, the number could be two and a half, which I never used to like taking two and a half because no starting pitcher goes all nine innings. That's definitely a worry, although the Padres have the best ERA as a bullpen. But if you continue to see these three and a halves, we saw four and a halves for the Rangers during the Tiger series, which was incredible because the Rangers just weren't hitting well. They had gotten shut out a bunch of games in a row since the All-Star break. So just watch the team totals for the Rangers and the Marlins. And as long as they continue to not hit, the Yankees you can even throw in there. Look at their team total unders. I'm right there with you. The New York Yankees are just a team that I can't buy into right now. 
the names are there, but much like a popular summer blockbuster movie that flops, not all the time when you get big names, you get great performances, and that's what I feel like we're seeing right now from the Yankees, but a man that always delivers a tremendous performance, that'd be you, Matt. You do a great job of being able to take a look at baseball this time of year. I know you're getting set for college basketball season as well for your namesake mid-major. Matt, you do a great job on a wide variety of formats. I know you've been doing quite a bit of work with SportsGrid recently as well. So let the good people know know what you've all got going on and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. At mid-major Matt on Twitter, and I know you get a lot of questions sometimes about first fives and props and things like that. If any of your followers ever want to ask, I'm here to answer the questions because we all want to beat the books. And right now I'm currently working through my way for Athlon. I, I write a series of articles on college football win totals for every team in America. The ACC should come out next week. Last week, I did the Big Ten. Two weeks ago was the Big 12. So getting close to the college football season, that's another exciting thing as realignment spins the wheels in college athletics. College football is going to be here before we know it. And then after you get college football, you get college basketball as well. And along with college football, you also get the NFL. So all forms of the gridiron are coming back into our lives. And fortunately, FCS football is actually going to be played in the fall and not the spring of this year. So that is tremendous. I know that Matt is getting ramped up for that season. Does a great job day in and day out looking at baseball. Keeps himself up to date when it comes to college basketball as well. It's just overall a great handicapper and a great person. So big thanks to Matt Joseph, a.k.a. Major Matt, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get on our good buddy, mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs. As you can tell from the namesake, he does a great job when it comes to college basketball. Currently doing a tremendous job day in and day out of being able to take a look at the baseball betting board. Is going to have you all locked and loaded when it comes to the football season as well. So, great to get him aboard. Now it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JaronScorty1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas dissertation order. This goes in National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We really do not have any rainouts or anything, so we don't have anything funky. We do have a couple games with to-be-determined pitchers, but... Compared to most Sundays, a relatively clean board. And this is going to be beginning with 951-952, that first National League game between the Atlanta Braves, who are in the road face-off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Phillies. Tiki Toussaint is going to be on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. 9-9.5 is your total on the 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs between even and minus 105. On the 9, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And when it comes to Aaron Nola, I do feel like he should be a relatively sizable favorite. Just throughout his career in general, he's been better at home than he has been on the road. And... This year especially, it has really rained through with regards to his splits. Overall, a 6-6 record, 4-64 ERA, but you take a look at what he's done in Philadelphia so far this year. 3.56 ERA and a 3-2 record across 8 starts on the road. 5.52 ERA across 11 starts. And when it comes to his walks, 16 on the road and 8 at home now. Obviously, he has pitched a couple more innings on the road, but still, 48 home innings. 
58 and two-thirds road innings as well. So that is something that I do take a look at. And for Tuki Toussaint, throughout his career, a 1.7 strikeout to walk rate. He's got electrifying stuff. He just needs to be able to rein it in. His first start, he looked terrific against the Padres. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up one run, two walks. That's something that you could certainly work with. You take a look at him last season, though. He just was completely lost out there in the wilderness during the 2020 season, which I do think that we need to take with a grain of salt. He went four innings or fewer in all but one of his appearances. It was just not a good situation in general. He was really giving up the deep ball a lot as well. So I do feel like we need to temper our expectations, but it does look like he's starting to turn things around. And for the Atlanta Braves, they had a nice one yesterday in Philadelphia. This is still a team, though, that they have not been above 500 all year long for a reason. You do have quite a few guys in the middle lineup that are doing a very good job. Dan C. Swanson, Jock Peterson, pair of guys hitting between a 230 and a 240. Both of these guys right around 295 on base, both with 10 plus homers. Abraham Almonte has been able to get on base. He and Guillermo Heredia have right around a 340 to about a 360 on base up there in the outfield. Freddie Freeman, he has been absolutely amazing for this team. He's got an on base percentage now that is hovering right around a 400. You take a look at what he was doing for the month of July entering into yesterday. Hitting a 429, that is ridiculous. Ozzy Albies has right around a 490 slugging. He's been very solid. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. I do think that you're going to be getting some more production out of Bryce Harper. He's got right around 385 on base, and he's got 15 home runs so far this year. Problem is, all but one of his home runs have been of the solo shot variety. I think that that's going to turn around a little bit. Andrew McCutcheon along threes. Hoskins don't necessarily have great batting averages, right around 230 apiece, but Hoskins worth the 20 home runs so far this year. McCutcheon, 350 on base, entered into yesterday with 17 homers. Getting back Gene Segura sitting above a 300 is nice for the team as well. Then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. They were able to rest their bullpen yesterday because they were able to get a very good start, so that is going to be able to help them out. Jesse Chavez has been good ever since he wound up joining the team. He's got right around two ERA. Luke Jackson is a guy that I like. Chris Martin has been very up and down. Started out the year very solidly, but last month he wound up seeing an unrivaling. Ironically enough, against the Philadelphia Phillies, and for the Phillies, Ranger Suarez has come out of the bullpen. He has looked very good. You wind up using some of your less than trustworthy relievers and Brandon Kitzler, along with Christopher Sanchez yesterday after Vince Velasquez wound up getting flamed out after being able to give the team a grand total of seven outs. Uh, that's not necessarily too terrific, but I do think that Nola is going to be able to lend a little bit of length. I just still need to see a little bit more from Tuki Tucson before I can believe it. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, they actually have been a relatively solid team at holding down opponents at home on the road. A completely different story, but I wound up saying this all at 8.9, so I'm going to be diving under. When it comes to the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, I was willing to take this pretty much as long as I was able to get any sort of a plus price, seeing this at right around a plus 110 to a plus 115. So I'm going to take the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies, and I'm going to be taking this total under as well. 953, 954 on the betting board. We currently have no numbers up on this game as it is the Slam Diego Padres, and they are going to be hitting the red face off against the Miami Marlins. Currently, the Miami Marlins are going to be going with the bullpen game. This is because Trevor Rogers was supposed to start this game. He was just placed on the injured list, so... We know that the Marlins are going to be pretty much going with a whole bunch of different guys. Meanwhile, Hugh Darvish is going to be going for the pods. I personally have this line as a minus 216 line for the Padres, so I've got them as a very sizable favorite. If you're looking to lay a run and a half with the Padres, I've got that at minus 138, so anything below a minus 140 is going to be a take for me there. Set this all at 8.2, so an 8 or lower going to be taking a look at the over, 8.5 or higher going to be taking a look at the under for the Miami Marlins. 
their bullpen games have just not been going well because this is a bullpen that is relatively solid, but they have taken their lumps. Adam Simber wound up getting traded away a few weeks ago, so that hurt the depth a little bit. You've got to think that someone like a Dylan S is going to be able to give you innings, and Dylan S, he just throughout his career has not been good. A career north of two and a half home runs per nine innings given up by him, Jordan Hallway, Braxton Garrett. Some of the guys that have been spot starting for this team have been used up. Zach Thompson is not going to be an option for this team. John Curtis with two S's will probably need to give you a couple innings along with the Anthony's, Anthony Bender and Anthony Bass. So that's not necessarily great. And you take a look at you, Darvish. He's given up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. He hasn't necessarily been as good on the road as he has been at home, but still 363 road ERA across seven starts. Opponents are a 201 off of him. His walks per nine is right around a three when he's on the road, but he's also facing off against a Miami Marlins team that You've got two good matchers for this team because Garrett Cooper is currently on the injured list. That'd be Adam Duvall, Jesus Aguiar. Duvall, north of 20 homers, only inning about a 235, doesn't necessarily walk a lot, but he's got good power. And then Jesus Aguiar, more willing to walk, right around a 260 batting average. He is approaching 70 RBI, so he's been able to do a solid job. The Marte Parte of Starling Marte, 393 on base, so he's been able to do a good job. And Miguel Ross is hitting a 270, but then you've got guys like John Birdie, Izan Diaz, Monte Harrison, Jorge Alfaro, a bunch of guys hitting a 220 or lower for this team. Then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. You do have a couple guys that they need to pick it up a little bit, like awesome Kim. Austin Nola's fresh off the injured list. He and Victor Carantini have north of a 330 on base. So really, other than awesome Kim, you are pretty much going to get everyone in the lineup with north of a 325 on base once again. Now, this is a Padres team that has been pretty solid at leaving men on base, but Manny Machado is starting to get hot ever since the beginning of the month of June has been hitting well above a 300. He's got 16 home runs so far this year. Fernando Tatis Jr. went deep for his 30th home run this season. Now, I don't expect you're going to get a home run out of you, Darvish, like they were able to get out of Ryan Weathers yesterday, but Tommy Pham is right around at 375 on base. He has been relatively solid for this team recently as well. And then with the Padres, though they have used their bullpen a lot, they probably shouldn't for one in this game with you, Darvish, going. He's been consistently given the seem 6 plus, but you've also got guys like Craig Sam and Emilio Pagan has been a little bit up and down, but overall, having a good year Pierce Johnson, Austin Adam, Nisbell Chris Matt, all these guys have been able to come in, hold down the four big reasons why the Padres have a top 5 bullpen ERA, so set the Padres as a very sizable favor will be willing to lay up to about a minus 135 to a minus 140 on the run line with them and like I said, with the total in 8 or lower, going to be taking a look at the over 8 and after I are going to be taking a look at the under 955 956 on the betting board, the Cincinnati Reds, yes we are on to Cincinnati and they are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. You don't mess with the Johan Oviedo is going to be going for the cards. Sonny Gray is going to be on the bump for the Red Legs. Reds are finding themselves as big favorites here. Anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the cards, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 158, 9 to 9.5 is your total. On the 9, overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 9.5, unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105. The Cardinals just in general have not had a lot of success whenever Johan Oviedo is taking the mound. He is 0-5 this year, a 41 ERA, which means that he's not terrible. He's certainly far from great. He's a gentleman that's giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. More concerning is the walks, in my opinion. He's been allowing a tad over five walks per nine innings. You take a look at Oviedo. He has given up two earned runs or fewer in three out of his last five starts. One of those starts, he was really hurt by unearned runs against the Detroit Tigers. But here's the thing with the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Oviedo has made 18 career appearances, 17 of which are starts. The St. Louis Cardinals, whenever he pitches, are 3-15 and 15 in those. Meanwhile, you take a look at Sonny Gray, not having the best year ever. 2-5 and five record. He certainly deserves better than this. He's given up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. Walks are tag concerning with him as well. He's averaging right around 3.6 walks per nine innings. You take a look at him at home. The ERA is slightly higher, but that's because Great American Ballpark is certainly a hitter-friendly ballpark. 3.86 ERA. He has given up 6 home runs in 39 and 2 thirds innings at home, but he's done a good job of being able to get swings and misses. At home, he's generating right around 11.5 to 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, with the Cincinnati Reds, they have been a little bit banged up. They've been dealing with Nick Cassianos being in and out of the fold the last few days. We're playing without him once again yesterday. It looks like they're going to be playing without him today, but you still have quite a few guys that do a good job of being a reach base for this team. Taylor Naquin, Joey Votto, along with Tucker Barnard, throwing their Trevor Stevenson as well. A quadrant of guys hitting between a, about a 254 and a 270, and all these guys really other than Naquin. North of a 340 on base. Shogo Akiyama needs to pick it up a little bit, and you'd like to see the batting average of Eugenio Suarez be a little bit better, but still, 18 home runs is 18 home runs. Jesse Winker, 375 on base, 19 bombs, and Jonathan India is north of a 4 on base. Then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. They've seen about two-thirds of their games go under the total ever since really the middle of June. They have been very much an under team. They entered into yesterday scoring three runs or fewer in five out of their last eight games, so recent form with the bats has not necessarily been too terrific, but you do have quite a few guys who are able to get on base for you. I know that Yadier Molina has been out the last couple of days, but he, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill throw in there Tommy Edmond Umando Sosa as well. All guys hitting between about a 245 and a 270 for the team. And Paul Goldschmidt now hitting above a 270. He's really been able to find it. He's now up to 17 home runs. O'Neill and Nolan Arenado between 17 and 20 home runs for them as well. And then you take a look at Paul Goldschmidt and what he's been able to do in the month of July heading into yesterday. 358 batting average, 449 on base. So he has really been able to find it. And he now has six home runs in the month of July. He did not have more than five home runs in any month prior to this, so it seems like he's starting to get online for the St. Louis Cardinals now with the Cardinals as well. The bullpen is starting to fail them a little bit. Genesis Cabrera and Giovanni Gallegos have been the best setup men for Alex Reyes. They've seen their ERAs climb a little bit. Justin Miller just has not been doing the job in the bullpen right around an 8 ERA. Ryan Elsley has been a little bit better, but the good news is the Cincinnati Reds bullpen has been a hot mess of their own. You've got Brad Brock who's been able to give you a couple innings, but TJ Antone and Lucas Sims being on the injured list have hurt them. Josh Osich prior to the All-Star break was doing a very good job. He sends the all-Star break has not been able to give you a whole lot of anything, but then again, you take a look at Yohan Oviedo. I think that he's going to have a tough time. A little bit more of a fly ball pitcher doesn't necessarily generate a ton of swings and misses, so I do think that the Reds are going to be able to make good contact here, and I think that Sonny Gray is going to be able to give you a tremendous start as well, which is why I do wind up saying the Reds as right around a minus 183-ish favorite on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, finding that right around plus 110 in most spots, I'm going to be taking that run line with the Reds. I was willing to lay a small price with them, and when it comes to the total, set it at 8.6. I do think that Sonny Gray is going to be able to give you a good start. So, Reds run line and the under the play here. 957, 958 on the bank board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us the and the Diamondbacks. Caleb Smith is going to be going for the D-backs. Trevor Williams is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. Since this is a Wrigley Field game, we currently do not have any totals up. Most books are going to be releasing this in the morning. I can tell you right now, seems like the wind is not necessarily going to be blowing out. It's going to be blowing a little bit more towards right field right around... Eight or so miles an hour might change a little bit. I'm looking at a forecast that just wound up getting put out right around 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific, so subject to change there, but set this total at 10.3 personally, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over. If the total is 10 or lower, 10 half or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but when it comes to the money line on this game, finding the Cubs anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 with the D-backs anywhere between plus 155 and plus 158 is your price. 
I bet the Diamondbacks for the first time since literally I think you wound up having Noah put two of everything on his arc. We're going to do it again. I wound up saying the Diamondbacks as a plus 142 underdog. Caleb Smith is actually a halfway decent starter. I'm not going to say that he's great by any stretch of the imagination. We saw it a few weeks ago. He wound up getting blown up by the San Francisco Giants. He certainly has his walks issues throughout his career. He's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but... Why is Trevor Williams sprayed around a minus 170 to a minus 180 favorite in? Something that we were talking about a little bit earlier as well with our good buddy mid-major Matt is this Cubs team in general. I feel like a lot of these guys have just thrown it in the tanker because they know that they are going to be getting traded. They're moping around a little bit. This has just not been a good effort whatsoever. And for the Cubs, I was mentioning it as well with the bullpen. Greg Kimbrell has been amazing for the team, but guys like Andrew Chafin who wanted pitching yesterday, Rex Brothers, they have not been good. They are overall for the year are in the top eight when it comes to bullpen ERA. Over the last three days, they're in the bottom five, though. And then you go back to Caleb Smith, 438 overall ERA so far this season. Once again, home runs have been a little bit of an issue. He's given up five of them in his last three starts. But by and large, I do take a look at Caleb Smith. You wind up throwing out that terrible start he had against the... Dodgers in which he winds up allowing nine runs in an inning and by and large he's a guy that has actually been able to do the job for this team. It's not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen but with the Arizona Diamondbacks they have been able to get a little bit of something out of Joe Minnett. Tipley he has been able to give you some good innings. He did not wind up getting used up yesterday. Tyler Clippert is a guy that they wound up picking up. He's ancient at like 36 years old but still able to give this team a little bit of something. They use up Brett Guys, who's probably the worst arm in their bullpen so that'll help them out a little bit and then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks you do have a couple guys that are reaching base for you. Paven Smith along with Josh Reddick. A pair of guys hitting in that pocket of about a 270. Eduardo Escobar is hitting at 250. He's got north of 20 home runs so far this year. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of David Peralta hitting at 255. So you've got a couple capable bats in this lineup. You haven't necessarily been able to get a lot out of guys like Josh Van Meter, Nick Amad and company that are hitting a 230 or lower. But take a look at the Chicago Cubs. Rafael Jaga has been relatively solid out there in the outfield. He's hitting right around to 275. They're getting back Matt Duffy as well. And Patrick Wisdom is still getting a home run every I would say about 11 or so at bats. And then you take a look at some of the other guys. Wilson Contreras has 15 home runs so far this year. A 350 on base. Anthony Rizzo a 340 on base. Right around 11 to 12 home runs for him as well. But a lot of these guys like Contreras, Rizzo, Javi Baez, they're in between a 235 and a 245 so they've been a little bit inconsistent with that regard. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a team that all of a sudden they have been able to win a couple games. They've got some success against the Cubs going... 2-1 in their last three, and if you're looking overall at the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is really the first time that they've strung a win streak together all year long. They have now won five out of their last six games. I think that they're going to be able to make it six out of seven because with Trevor Williams, I have no faith in this guy whatsoever. He's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine is hovering right around four. This is someone that at Wrigley Field so far this year, yeah, he's been a little bit better with a 381 ERA, but he hasn't made a whole lot of appearances whatsoever ever since winding up going on the injured list. Opponents overall are hitting a 294 off of him. You take a look at Trevor Williams. He has made two starts ever since the beginning of the month of June and in those starts he has given up a combined 11 runs at 8 and 2 thirds innings and he's in terrible form. So this is a spot in which I'm going to take the plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks and like I said a 10 or lower going to be taking a look at the over 10 and a half or higher going to be taking a look at the under. We move on to 959, 960 on the banking board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing us the Pittsburgh Pirates. JT Brubaker
kicker is going to be going for the Pirates. Meanwhile, for the Yantes, you've got Mr. Alex Wood. Total on this game is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, this is at Bet Online. The under is minus 135 and the over is plus 115. So if you're looking for something juicy, there you go. On the 8, over and under, anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. And if you're looking at the Giants, anywhere between minus 164 and minus 180 is what you're laying there with Brew Baker and company. Between plus 151 and plus 155 is your price. I wound up saying the Giants as a relatively sizable favorite at minus 192. JT Brew Baker has been one of the least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues because he's actually a relatively decent arm for what the Pirates have, but he's given up 1.8 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine is right around at 2.2, and he's able to give you nine strikeouts per nine innings, but you just take a look at the amount of hard contact that he gives up. He's been a little bit unlucky with that regard, but on the road, he's really struggled. One in five record in nine starts, 533 RA, 11 home runs given up in 49 innings, and he faces off against a Giants team that typically you don't necessarily equate to having great power, but you take a look up and down this lineup, even without Brandon Crawford, you still have five guys at the top of the lineup that entered into yesterday with at least nine home runs. Lamonte Wade Jr., Mike Yastrzemski, Buster Posey, Austin Dickerson, and Wilmer Flores. And then when you take a look at this lineup as well, you've got a guy in Donovan Solano who's been in and out of the fold. He's hitting right around 270. You've got Flores along with Lamonte Wade, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, hitting at 250. Mike Yastrzemski hitting right around 235, but the on base is more like a 335. You've been able to get some good production out of Darren Ruff whenever he's been pitching for the team. Steven Duggar's hitting at 280. And for the Pirates, you've really got two guys that have been constant for this team. Adam Frazier along with Brian Reynolds. Reynolds is the only guy with more than 10 home runs on the team. He and Adam Frazier both have north of 375 on bases. Both of these guys hitting above a 3 You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Cabrian A's and I think that this is going to dry up but John Nagowski wound up entering into yesterday with north of a 3 batting average. He was a little bit of a cast off from the St. Louis Cardinals but you take a look at it. Michael Perez, Kaye Tom, Kevin Newman. You've got someone like a John Oliva. Guys like this throwing their Gregory Palunco hitting at 220 or lower, really hurting this team. And for the Pittsburgh Priors, they were doing a good job with their bullpen, but they didn't necessarily get the world's greatest start out of William Crow, so they're a little bit taxed there. You've been relying upon now Luis Oviedo has not necessarily been able to do a great job there. Kyle Crick is currently on the injured list for this team. Chris Stratton, Jason Sharif, along with Richard Rodriguez have been able to do a good job, but Dwayne Underwood Jr. has been showing some faults. And then when you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, this bullpen has been very good. Jarlon Garcia, after a rough start to the year, he has been able to rein it in. Jake McGee has been a little bit up and down, but he's able to give you some good innings. Jay Jackson has come over from the MPB. He's looks solid along with Dominique Leon. So I do take a look at this spot, and I'm seeing a run line price that is plus money with the San Francisco Giants that right around a plus 120 to a plus 125 all aboard that and when it comes to this total I did wind up saying this a little bit higher because I do think that the Giants are going to be able to belt a couple homers set this at 8.6 so we're going to be going over along with that Giants run line 961 962 on the betting board you've got the battle of Grays and the Colorado Rockies and the Dodgers the home standing Dodgers send Josiah Gray to the bump meanwhile it's 55 shades of John Gray who's going to be going for the Rockies so Jay Gray on Jay Gray crime here as You've got the Dodgers who are finding themselves as big favorites. Anywhere between minus 175 and minus 180. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Rockies. Anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. 8-8.5 is your total. On the 8, overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 8.5, unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 105. And which of Gray you want to making is... First career MLB appearance a few days ago, and it did not necessarily go as planned. They wound up using an opener from opener wound up getting blown up. 
Josiah Gray got blown up. He gave up four runs in four innings. He's someone that is not going to give you a lot of length in general because he wound up dealing with an injury in like May slash early June that he was getting ramped back up in AAA Oklahoma, a guy that certainly is able to give you strikeouts, and he showed that in his first career appearance. Seven strikeouts in four innings, but at the same time, a little bit wild and gave up three home runs. Now, the Colorado Rockies, I don't think, are going to be able to duplicate the power that they wound up showing on Friday when they wound up being able to get three or four home runs. But with that said, this is a Rockies team that you got to be looking at vastly different home to row, but going into yesterday, they had won three straight road games against the Dodgers and the Padres, so maybe you're finding a little bit of something here. You've got a lot of guys that overall for the year are hitting between a 245 and a 260. Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson, all in that fold. Now, you've got to acknowledge that the Rockies as a team hitting right around a 275 at home on the road that's more like a 205, so best home batting average in the league. Worst road batting average out there in the league, but you've been able to get a little bit of something out of some of these bullpen pieces as well. Michael Givens has come out of the bullpen, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job. And when you take a look at John Gray as well, what I like about him is the fact that he's been able to do a little bit better on the road recently as well. Had a good start against the Padres going into the All-Star break. Overall, 454 ERA on the road. That's not necessarily too terrific, but he's only given up two home runs in 35 and two-thirds innings. 11 walks to go along with it. Big thing is opponents are just hitting a 292 off of him. He's been unlucky on balls in play whenever he's been on the road. I think that that'll rein in a little bit more. And for the Dodgers, this is a bullpen that is getting badly taxed. Going into the week, they were second in the league with regards to bullpen ERA over the last three days. That has dipped significantly, especially with Kevin Lee Jansen having his deficiencies pursuit or Gratterall. You can tell it's just not right right now. Blake Tryon has been able to give you some good innings, but then you've got guys like Alex Vecia. Phil Bickford has actually been very good recently for this Dodgers team, but at the same time, I don't have a lot of faith in him being able to maintain a lot of Victor Gonzalez. And then with the Dodgers, they are dealing with Max Muncy currently being on the paternity list. A big congratulations for him. And you do have a quadrant of Dodgers with at least 13 home runs. AJ Pollock, Albert Pools, Justin Turner down for what, and Chris Taylor. But you are noticing that guys like Sam Noisy, Luke Rayleigh and company are currently getting at bats. You wound up having four guys in the starting lineup yesterday for the Dodgers with a 215 or lower batting average. So I do think that this is actually a good stop bot for the Colorado Rockies. Set John Gray's a plus 144 underdog. So getting a plus 160, I see some value there. Set this whole 8.8 as well. I know that the Rockies have not necessarily been great at being able to generate runs on the road, averaging less than three per game going into Saturday, but I'm going to be taking the over along with the Colorado Rockies. 963-964 on the banking board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman is going to be going for the Yankees. Martin Perez is going to be on the ball for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox anywhere between minus 125 and minus 133 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're able to look at the Yankees, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 123. 10.5 is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 105, minus 110. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Domingo Herman wound up having a very good time ever since he was called up from the alternate site for about eight or so starts. Recently, things have not necessarily been going so well. And speaking of things not going so well, that has been the case for Martin Perez at home. Martin Perez on the road has actually been very good so far this year. At home, he's got a 580 ERA across 11 starts. Giving up nine home runs in 45 innings. That compared to three bombs in 43 and two-thirds innings on the road. At home, he's got a 326 opponents batting average on the road, 245, and his road ERA is a 247. So I think that that's very stark. You take a look at Domingo Armand. He's going to be backed up by a Yankees bullpen in which he tell that the guys coming off the COVID list and Jonathan Luizaga, along with Nestor Cortez, 
are not necessarily in sorts right now for Roman. He's giving up about 1.8 home runs per nine innings, but with Domingo Roman as well, what I think is fascinating is that he's giving up a lot of his bombs at home. Now, his home and road ERA splits are relatively equal. He's actually 4 and 3 with a 457 ERA on the road at home, 0 and 2 with a 485, but on the road, he's given up three home runs in 43 and a third innings. You could certainly work with that. Opponents are hitting a 280 off of him. At home, opponents are hitting just a 220 off of him, but they've gotten 14 home runs in 42 and two thirds innings. So it's a good old something's got to give situation with the New York Yankees. You are noticing a lot of guys that you wouldn't think should be in a New York Yankees lineup getting at-bats because they have been dealing with COVID-19. You've seen Aaron Judge be out for quite a bit. Now, the Yankees were able to have a nice rally yesterday, which is very good for this team, but by and large, you take a look at some of these bats, and they're still out there, and they're still scuffling a little bit. Rudin Adardar was able to be the hero yesterday, but he's hitting right around 225 for this team. Greg Allen is hitting right around 275, but that's been in a very small sample size. We've seen someone who I mentioned in Giddens, Rob Brantley. I know that Kyle Gashioka is currently on the injured list, but you've got quite a few guys like a Brett Gar- Gardner, Tyler Wade. These guys are hitting below a 220, which is an issue. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. You've got a pair of guys in the middle line of J.D. Martinez along Xander Bogars, both with at least 15 homers. Both of these guys hitting above a 300. Kevin Pilecki, Alex Verdugo are a pair of guys hitting right around 270. Kike Hernandez has three home runs so far this week. He had a triple yesterday as well on a run for Christian Vasquez. Hitting between a 250 and a 260 is relatively solid for this team as well. And with the Boston Red Sox, the bullpen has been good for this team. Adam Adovino wasn't able to get the job done yesterday, but here to cause this out of Moda has been able to give you some good innings. Garrett Woodlock is someone that I do like as well, and with the Yankees they just seem to be a little bit out of sorts. Rolls as Chapman was able to get the save yesterday, but he has been very erratic recently as well and got into a little bit of trouble yesterday as well, so I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Martin Perez, though he hasn't necessarily had the world's greatest success at home, is going to be able to do a little bit better than one Domingo Roman. I wound up saying the Red Sox is a minus 133 favorite. It's at the solid 10.6, so we're going to be going over along with the Sox. 965-966 on the Board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing also the Tampa Bay Rays. Good old to be determined is going to be going for the Rays, which is most likely going to mean a bullpen game. Tristan McKenzie is going to be on the bump for the Indians. Currently, we've got no numbers up on this game, but expect the Indians to be a relatively sizable underdog for Tristan McKenzie. It has just been a walks issue for him. North of seven walks per nine innings. 41 walks and 53 in a third innings. That's not what you want. He's also giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. Now, I will say this. Ever since the beginning of the month of July, he's been able to rein it in a little bit more. He had seven scoreless innings against the Kansas City Rails. He promptly then gave up five runs in four innings against the Houston Astros. So, he follows up one tremendous start with an incredibly poopy start. That is just what happens with him. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that is stockpiled with arms upon arms. Andrew Kittrich has been great for this team. Colin McHugh is able to give you multiple innings. They added Sean Poppin recently. He's not necessarily a guy I would trust in a whole heck of a lot, but Matt Whistler has been able to give you some solid innings as well. I take a look at this Rays team. I do think that they are equipped to be able to have a very good bullpen game unlike a lot of these other teams. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, they do wind up adding Nelson Cruz. How about him being able to give you north of 20 home runs so far this year? A 370 on base. And you've got a lot of guys that have been able to go deep that don't necessarily have the world's greatest batting average. Mike Zanino along with Brandon Lau. A pair of guys hitting between a 200 and a 220 but with Zanino entered into yesterday with 19 home runs. Lau is north of 20. G-Man Choi along with Andy Diaz. A pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260 and they're on bases right around a 370 to a 380. Joey Wendell's been able to hit a 
280 for the same. And Randy Arozarena wound up getting a day off yesterday. He's been able to get hot with the bat as well. Then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. Framio Reyes is giving you a home run every, I would say, about 13 or so at bats. He's been able to do a great job there. Bobby Bradley has 11 homers, but he, along with Yu Chang, Oz Hedges, you're able to throw in there a gentleman in Daniel Johnson. All inning a 220 or lower. Cesar Hernandez is hitting a 225, but he's been able to give you some home runs as well. Jose Ramirez along with Amit Rosario, and you could throw in their Framio Reyes as well. Hitting between a 250 and a 262 have been solved for the team, and Ramirez has been able to give you 19 home runs. Harold Ramirez, he's hitting a 270 as well. And for the Cleveland Indians, their bullpen by and large has been solid, and John Carlos Mejia was actually able to give them north of five innings, so that'll help them out a little bit, because you can tell that guys like Emmanuel Class A, James Karinczak, Blake Parker, these are all solid arms, but they're starting to get worn out a little bit, but with that said, even with it being likely a bullpen game for the race, probably going to be setting them right around like a minus 160-ish favorite, give or take a little bit. This is a tad bit subject to change, and I'm probably going to be taking a look at a total of 9 or lower to the over, 9.5 or higher to the under. Those are initial numbers. I need to find out a little bit more about the race are doing, so Jeff Gag in the morning, my Twitter feed at Jaren's41, but initial looks there. We've also got another off-the-board game with 967-968. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing against the LA Angels. Angels are to be determined with their starter, and they could go with pretty much anything in this spot. Meanwhile, Bailey Ober is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. I tell you right now, a 9 is probably not going to cut it on the total. I would certainly be looking over in that spot because you take a look at Mr. Ober. He just has not necessarily been too terrific for this team. He is allowing north of two home runs per nine innings. He's given up nearly three walks per nine. The strikeouts have been solved, but he's got a 5.45 ERA. He's not been great at home. He has not been great on the road. It has just been a tough situation. And for the LA Angels, they wind up running into a little bit of a sticky situation with regards to their offense about the last week or so. But the good news is Shoya Otani is back, and he is back to hitting bombs. He is right now leading the league with over 30 home runs. He and Jared Walsh hitting between a 265 and a 275. And for Walsh, entered into yesterday with 22 home runs. And bigger than that. How about Justin Upton coming back for this team? He was out from, I would say, about late June until the series wound up beginning, so a full month. And in the month of June, he had a 463 on base, 338 batting average. Before he went down with injury, he has got 14 home runs so far this year. That is a massive addition to this lineup. Max Sassy, Jose Iglesias, pair of guys hitting between a 280 and a 290. David Fletcher in the month of June hit a 365. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. Got a tremendous start out of one, Jose Barrios. You figured that that would be the case. He was hurt by a couple unearned runs, and this is a lineup that now without having Nelson Cruz in there, I do expect to regress a little bit. Miguel Sano is outing at the Mendoza line of a 200, which is good, but still, you want a little bit more out of him. You've got him along with Ryan Jeffers. You're able to throw in there Max Kepler. You've got a DH and Brett Rooker that is honestly doing a lot, and Gilberto Cicino, all hitting a 220 or lower for this team. You've got Ori Palanco hitting right around 265, double-digit amount of formers, and Josh Allenson, 250 batting average 350 on base. He has went deep 15 times so far this season, but you've got a Minnesota Twins bullpen that is not necessarily too terrific. Or Alcala has not been able to do the job for the team. Alex Colome has right around a 450 ERA. I will say Daniel Colombe has south of a 1 ERA. 1 Manaya, though, is someone that I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in. Ansel Robles, the former Angel, has not had a great run of it either. I will say Rossiel Glacius has been able to pick it up on the other side for the Angels bullpen, but now you've got Dylan Bundy out there. Another failed starter and Jose Quitana has been used as a long reliever. Andrew Watts has been able to give you some good innings though. And when it comes to this Angels team, you got to figure that they're going to be able to hit Mr. Ober. Got to figure that the Twins, if they do wind up going up against an Angels bullpen game, maybe you wind up using Dylan Bundy or Jose Quitana. They're going to get their runs as well. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jarrett41 because the Angels could go in a wide variety of ways, but certainly looking at a lot of runs in this one. 969, 970 on the banking board. The Detroit Tigres hit the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. 
Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals. Tarek Skubal is going to be going for the Tigres. Tigers find themselves as favorites. Anywhere between a minus 105 and a minus 111. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Royals all over the place with this one, finding them as good as a plus 101, finding them as bad as a minus 115, 10-10.5 is your total. On the 10, over and under, anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. On the 10.5, under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. Got to be looking at Skubal in this spot. I want to say the Tigers as more like a minus 140 favorite. This is now a team that has won eight out of the last nine games. They are actually playing some very quality baseball. And for Tariq Skubal, he wound up having a really rough first month of the season. In the month of April, he just got completely shellacked. He wound up having an ERA of a 6.14. He wound up giving up eight home runs over the course of 22 innings. Things were not good for him. Ever since then, he has gotten an ERA that is a sub 3.7. He has been able to rein it in. I believe that the Tigers are now 7-5 and five in his last 12 starts. He still, for the year, is giving up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. But keep in mind, a lot of those wound up coming early. His strikeouts per nine, that is right around a 10.4. And for Daniel Lynch, he has made two starts now. It has been a while since he wound up making those starts as he wound up getting those appearances in May. And ever since that, he has been able to do a better job out there in the minor leagues. But still, a career 1575 ERA, and he has given up five walks in his eight career innings. That is not what you want to see. His whip is a 288. I always say that if your whip would be a good bench press for a set of 10, that is not what you want. I wish I could do 288 pounds for a set of 10. I can tell you that. And when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, you've got a lot of guys that are hitting right around at 288. How about Derek Hill hitting a 300 for the team? Jonathan Scope has gotten white out with the bat ever since the beginning of the month of June. He's hitting right around 325. He has been able to go deep for this team 17 times so far this season. Akil Badu is hitting right around 270. He, along with Robbie Grossman, Jamir Candelario, and Aero Castro between a 335 and a 355 with regards to their on base. And then when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, you have been able to get a little bit of production out of this offense as well. Answer Alberto, Nicky Lopez, Whit Merrifield, along with Salvador Perez, all guys hitting between a 270 and a 280. You've seen a little bit of a drop-off with Andrew Benatendi, but he's still hitting a 265 and for Perez. North of 20 homers, north of 50 RBI. You need a little bit more out of guys like Hunter Dozier along with Jorge Soler. Pair of guys hitting a 200 or lower and just not hitting for as much power as you'd like for the Detroit Tigers. Bullpen overall this year has not necessarily been too terrific, but Gregory Soto wound up being an all-star. Gave up a home run in the all-star game, but he's been able to actually do a decent job. Kyle Funkhauser has been able to bring the funk. Tyler Alexander was used as a starter a few days ago, so he's likely going to be out the full, but still better than what the Royals are able to trot out there with the Royals. They just have a bunch of guys that started out the year really solidly. And Jake Brents along Scott Barlow still giving you good innings. But Josh Shamo has seen a little bit of a drop off. Domingo Tapia is someone that I want to know part of. Kyle Zimmer after a good start to the year. He has not been great. And Tyler Zuber is back with the Major League team. He's got north of a 6 ERA. So it's not necessarily looking great there. I think that the Tigers should completely pulverize Mr. Lynch. Wound up saying this total 8.4. Because I do think that you're going to get a great performance out of Mr. Scoobal. So I'm going to be taking this total under. And we're going to be taking the Tigers in the spot. 971-972 on the back. Board. You got the Walker Texas Rangers in the red face off against the Houston Astros. It is Zach Renke going for the Strohs. Dane Gitter Dunning is going to be on the bump for the Texas Rangers. Rangers are finding themselves as sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 180 and plus 205. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Astros, anywhere between minus 220 and minus 230, 8.5 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105 with Zach Granke. You have to take a look at his home and road splits. This is someone that on the road has barely over a 2 ERA. He has been very dominant with that regard. And overall for the year, the 9-3 record really pops out at you. But in the city of Houston, 490 ERA and 11 starts. He's given up 11 home runs. So that is something that should concern you. Opponents are getting a 286 off of them. Now, I will say for the Texas Rangers, this offense is a scuffling. Heading into yesterday, 
They had scored more than three runs in just one of their games since the All-Star break, but you still do have a pair of guys with north of 20 home runs so far this year. That'd be Adolis Garcia along Joey Gallo. Gallo wound up getting the day off yesterday. Should be back in the fold today. And for Adolis Garcia, he's got right around six home runs in the team's last 60 days, so that has not necessarily been too terrific. You've got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 215 and a 230. Jose Trevino has been in and out of the fold recently along Charlie Culverson, David Dahl, Andy Ibanez, and then you've got Eli White who's hitting just a bucket 83, Isaiah Kinnear Falafa along the lowering between a 250 and a 256. And for the Texas Rangers, Ian Kennedy has been able to give you a couple good innings out of the bullpen. I do like what you're getting out of Spencer Patton as well for the Houston Astros. Bullpen has been a little bit of a deficiency for them by and large this year, but they've got a top 10 bullpen over the last 30 days with regards to ERA, so they've been able to pick it up a little bit. Blake Taylor along with Ryan Stanek able to give you some good innings. Joe Smith has been struggling a little bit. Brandon Belak as a long guy has not necessarily been too terrific, but you are getting some improvement there. And then we take a look at the Houston Astros. They have been a little bit cold since the All-Star break, but I think that they're going to be kick-started a little bit because you do have Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker, along Yoli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve. All but Brantley have at least 10 home runs. All but I think that Carlos Correa might be hitting a 269. So really everyone except for him hitting north of a 270. And really everyone other than Kyle Tucker, at least a 350 on base. So that is incredibly impressive. Miles Straw's hitting a 265 for this team as well. Whenever you've had to look to Chaz McCormick, he's got a double-digit amount of formers. Rainbow Valdez was able to give this team some good length yesterday, so you've got that going for you. And for Dane Gitter Dunning, I would be a little bit more bullish on the Rangers if it weren't for the fact that he is absolutely terrible on the road. We were mentioning this with our good buddy Mid-Major Matt as well. 254 home ERA, 3-2 record when he's out there in Arlington giving up three home runs in 46 innings. On the road, he's given up six home runs in 37 and two-thirds innings, and opponents are in a 307 off of him with a 645 ERA, and he's 0-5. So that is a big, giant discrepancy there. If you're taking a look at the Houston Astros, because I think that this is a situation where they either win this game by multiple runs, or they just lose it outright. They're anywhere between a minus 105 and a minus 115 favorite on the run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 130 because I do love their offense, so I'm going to be taking a look at that. I do think that the Rangers are going to be able to mount a couple runs here, so I did want to say the total more on to 9.8 as well. So taking the over along the Astros. Run line 973, 974 on the bang board. The Oakland A's at the road face off against the Seattle Mariners. One Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the M's. Meanwhile, Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for the A's. Oakland is finding themselves anywhere between a minus 120 and minus 124 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mariners, anywhere between even money and plus 114 is your price there. Tolls anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. With the 8.5, overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 9, unders minus 120, and the over is even. With Cole Irvin, I wound up saying him as a minus 134 favorite. I also wound up saying this total 8.3 because with Cole Irvin, he has really been able to do a good job of being reined it in. Not a guy that is going to give you a whole lot of swings and misses, but a 342 ERA, giving up right around 0.8 home runs per 9 innings. Do my point about his strikeouts. Right around 6.5 per 9 innings. Marco Gonzalez on the other side. He's not giving you a ton either. He's giving you a little bit over 7 strikeouts per 9 innings and he's just been incredibly inconsistent. Has given up at least 3 runs in 4 out of his last 6 total appearances. A gentleman that last year was giving up a little bit over a walk per 9 innings. He's given up at least 2 walks and now 4 out of his last 5 starts. He has had 4 strikeouts or fewer in each out of his last 3 starts. It is not necessarily going well for him and if you take a look at Marco Gonzalez at home, 530 ERA, 629 road ERA. So he's been bad at home. He's been bad on the road and at home. 
11 home runs, given up in 37 and a third innings. You take a look at this Oakland A's lineup, and you do have quite a few guys that do a good job maybe you'll get on base for you. Tony Kemp along with Mark Canna at the top of the fold have north of a 360 on base. You're able to throw in their battles and as well. And for Olsen, oh yeah, he's hitting a 290 with 26 home runs. That's pretty darn solid. You've got Matt Chapman, Ramon Laureano, Jed Lowry along with Mark Canna, both between 11 and 14 homers, so you've got a little bit of ancillary power there. Alvin Sanders, after having a really rough start to the year, he's been able to pick it up and take a look at what he was able to do in the month of June. He was hitting right around 278 that month. Here in July, it's more like a 245-ish, but certainly better than the below the Mendoza line numbers that he was having at the start of the year. And for the Seattle Mariners, they have the worst batting average out there in the league. You take a look at the starting lineup. You wound up having three guys with a batting average that was north of a 225. I will say for Lewis Torrance, he has been able to give you a little bit more of something recently. He entered into yesterday with 12 home runs, and in the month of July, a 400-on base with right around 290 batting average. So that is a little bit helpful, but you still have out there Jared Kelnick, Kyle Seeger. You're able to throw in there Taylor Trammell. I'm pretty sure got sent to the minors recently. Dylan Moore, Jake Bowers, Jorge Mamaloys, who has not been seen in quite a while. Cal Raleigh. All these guys are in a 220 or low. I will say for Seeger, 18 home runs. You've got J.P. Crawford who's hitting right around 265 for the team. Ty France is hitting a 275. Mitch Anniger, 260 batting average with a amount of home runs at 23. And then take a look at the Seattle Mariners. The bullpen has actually been very good for the team. Eric Swanson along with Kendall Graveman. A sub-1 ERA. Not a sub-2 ERA. A sub-1. Keenan Middleton, whenever he's not used as an opener, has actually been halfway decent. You've been able to get some good innings off Paul Seawalt. And then for the Oakland A's, I will say, Sergio Romo wound up having a really bad start to the year ever since that first month or so. He's been able to rein it in. Deolis Carreras able to give you some solid innings. Yasmino Petit has been a little bit up and down, but he's been able to do a good job recently. Lutrovino right around a 2 ERA as well. So I take a look at this spot. I think that the A's should be a little bit more of a sizable favorite. Set them at minus 134, so we're going to be taking them. Also wound up saying the solid 8.3, so going under along with the Oakland A's. 975-976 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing us to the Washington Nationals. John means he means business, and he is going to be going for the Orioles. Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. Right now, because it was supposed to be John Lester, who wound up starting yesterday in place of Max Scherzer, you've only got numbers at DraftKings and the Westgate. Currently, I'm seeing a total of 9.5 at both of these spots with the over at minus 120 and the under at even. With the Nationals, you're finding them anywhere between even money and plus 112. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 122. And I want to make the Nationals a plus 104 underdog. With Espinel, I do recognize that his last couple starts have not necessarily been too terrific, but I still have my question marks with his Orioles bullpen. And for Espinel, a 3 RA overall this year. He's given up 1.1 home runs per 9 innings. His walks per 9 is 1.6. And you take a look at John means for the year he's been amazing he winds up pitching that no hitter that very easily could have been a perfect game against the Seattle Mariners but he has made one start since June 5th in that start he gives up five runs and five innings against the Tampa Bay Rays and he has given up approximately two home runs in each out of his last five starts that dates back to the middle of May so he has certainly been getting it around a little bit. He was getting a little bit lucky at the beginning of the year, in my opinion. He's going up against a Washington Nationals team that actually has the best batting average out there in the National League. So that is something that you do take a look at now. They were unable to hit Matt Harvey, ironically enough, yesterday. But you still have a pair of guys, Juan Soto and Trey Turner, down for what? They're doing a good job for this team. Both of these guys at least 16 home runs. Both of these guys north of a 365 on base and north of a 295 batting average. Josh Bell hitting above a 300 this month. He has been able to supply the boom. He's now got 15-plus home runs. Ryan Zimmerman has regressed a little bit, but Gerardo Parra, he's now hitting about a 250 for this team, so Baby Shark is able to get it done. 
you've been having Trace Barrera, who has been filling in for Jan Gomes at the catcher spot, hitting right around 270. Not as good of a defensive catcher, though, so that is something that plays into the total as well. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. Middle lineup is actually relatively solid for this team. Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes have been able to hit about a 250 for this team. Cedric Mullins is hitting at 315 with a 380 on base, and Trey Bubo Mancini, 265 batting average. He, Mountcastle, along with Mr. Mullins, all between 15 and 17 home runs apiece, or about Odias is hitting a 280 for this team. And then you've got a couple guys in Pedro Severino and Miguel Franco hitting between about a 215 and a 230. Anthony Santander as well whenever he's out there. But then Pat Faleka, Ryan McKenna, you've got Austin Wins. It looks like they have DFA'd Chancisco. He is no longer with the organization because he was so bad. Stevie Wilkerson is someone that you're able to throw in there as well. They are all hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200, so it has been really bad there. You've got a Baltimore team that wound up using up Tanner Scott yesterday. Cole Solzer has been able to do a good job out of the bullpen. And for the Washington Nationals, you've got quite a few guys who are very solid for this team. Brad Hand is someone that you're able to look to. Danny Hudson wound up getting used up yesterday, but conceivably he might be able to come back in this one as well. Kyle Finnegan has been able to give you some good innings. And LCD's Escobar, if you're taking a look at the lineup, he has actually been a nice find for this team as well. So, going to be taking a look at that plus 112 that I'm seeing at Westgate with the Washington Nationals in this spot. I do think that you're going to be seeing plenty of runs as well. Set this all at 9.7, so we're looking over along with the Nets. 977-978 on the bang board. You've got the New York Metropolitans, and they're going to be playing us to the Toronto Blue Jays. Ross Tripling is going to be going for the Jays. It is Rich Hill, the new acquisition, who's going to be going for the Mets. Currently, DraftKings is the only place that has a number on this game. Seeing the Mets at minus 130, plus 110 on the Blue Jays. Total on this game is 9, under is minus 120, and the over is even. If we see these numbers across the board, going to be taking a look at the Mets and the over. I set this all at 9.2, and the Mets has a minus 141 favorite. Now, with Rich Hill, wound up giving up three earned runs in the month of June. I think that that's a little bit of an anomaly, as I was talking about with mid-major Matt. I do think that the fact that he wound up giving up approximately four runs in each out of his first four starts of the year. That is also a little bit of an anomaly. I think that his 3-6-ish ERA for the season is relatively what you're able to expect. He went 19 starts while he was with the Tampa Bay Rays, 95 and a third innings. Gave up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His blocks per nine is a little bit high at right around 3.4, but he's able to give you right around 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings as well. Then you take a look at roster playing. Hard contact is killing him. He's given up right around 2.1 home runs per nine innings. Got completely dismantled in his last start against the Boston Red Sox. Three blocks per nine innings in that start against the Red Sox. He got one out and he gave up six runs. He has given up a combined ten runs in his last four innings. Prior to that, he had given up a combined four runs in his last three starts, all of which were at least five innings. So, Ross Stripling is the textbook definition of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You take a look at this Blue Jays team. The good news for them is that they were able to get a relatively okay start yesterday out of Hunjin Ryu, which that is what you expect. So some of these guys are going to be well-rested, and they have had to acquire a couple of bullpen pieces along the way. Adam Simber is a guy that they brought in from the Miami Marlins. Trevor Richards for the Milwaukee Birds. Taylor Sacido has been a nice find for this team as well. Tim Maza has been a little bit up and down. He's got right around a 4 ERA after he was not necessarily looking so good at the beginning of the year. And for the Mets, this is a team which a bullpen has been able to do a good job of holding down the fort. I have been very impressed by what I've seen out of Jurisic Familia after he wound up having a really bad last couple of seasons. He's starting to regress a little bit, but still, 3-5 ERA, you'll take that out of him. 
Seth Lugo has been a little bit up and down, but Drew Smith has been able to give you some good innings. Trevor May is a guy with right around a 3-2 ERA, so I do like what I'm seeing there. And for the Metropolitans, this is an offense that all of a sudden is starting to get going as well. Pete Alonso has been able to do a terrific job for this team. He's approaching 20 home runs. He, along with Dom Smith, you're able to throw in there James McCann. You've got another guy in Jeff McNeil who's been in and out of the fold recently. In between a 250 and a 265, Brandon Nimmo is hitting above a 300. J.D. Davis, I do recognize that he spent a lot of time on the injured list, so not all of these numbers are withholding, but 460 on base at a 360 batting average, and Luis Colorme has been a hot mess out there in the field, but he's hitting right around 300 as well, and then you take a look at the Blue Jays. This is a very lethal lineup. How about what you've been able to get out of Marcus Simeon at the leadoff spot? 24 home runs. He's hitting right around at 270-ish. That has been terrific. Ian Bobachette along to Oscar Hernandez between a 340 and a 345 on base. Hernandez a double-digit amount of bombs. He's hitting nearly a 300. Bobachette has been able to go deep 17 times so far this year. He's got a 290 batting average flagger or junior north of 30 home runs, 430 on base. You've had Reese McGuire at the catcher spot step up as well. He and Lourdes Gariel hitting right around 265. Randall Gritchick just below that, but he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers as well. So I do think that you're going to be able to see quite a few runs in this game. Right now looking at a total of 9.2, but keep in mind with the New York Mets, this is a team that entering into yesterday, they had the second best home win percentage in the big leagues, especially out there in the National League. They entered into yesterday 29-14 and 14 at home, so that's something I do take a look at. I think that Hill will be able to have a good debut for the Mets. So right now looking at them along this total over, and now we go to my New York Post play of the day and the final game, 979-980 on the bang board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us the Chicago White Sox. Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Lance Lynn is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. Jalen's game is anywhere between 6.5 and, and 7. On the 700s, anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. Overs between even plus 105. On the 6.5, overs minus 120, under is even. If you're looking at the crew, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 125 and seeing as high as the minus 140 out there at DraftKings. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Southsiders, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 127 is your price there. I want to say the Brewers as a minus 138 favorite, so I'm going to be taking a look at them with the New York Post play of the day. Most of the Vegas books, you're seeing right around a minus 130 or better. With Brandon Woodruff, he has been absolutely amazing for this team so far this year. How about 7-4 record, but a 204 ERA, his 0-83 whip, leads qualifying starting pitchers in. You've ironically got number 3 and number 4 among qualifying pitchers with regards to ERA. Woodruff is number 4 with his 204. Lance Lynn, Buck 94, he's in the top 3. And both of these guys have been able to do a good job of getting punch-outs. How about for Lance Lynn? He's been able to give you right in the pocket of about 10.3 strikeouts per 9 innings. For Brandon Woodruff, that's a little bit closer to 11, but both of these guys have been great with that regard for Woodruff. 9 home runs, a lot in 119 innings for Lynn. 10 home runs, give it up in 97 and 2 thirds innings, but what gives me pause about Lance Lynn is that he hasn't necessarily pitched a lot on the road, and he hasn't necessarily been as great on the road. Buck 50 home ERA, 6-2 record across 11 starts, 6 road starts, 284 ERA, 3-1 record. He's given up 4.5 walks per 9 innings whenever he's been on the road, and opponents are only 2 28 off of him on the road, which is still solid, but that is a buck 69 when he's at home. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. I like the fact that they back up Mr. Woodruff with a very good bullpen as well. Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Best 8th and ninth inning duo that you're going to find out there in baseball. And then you've got someone named Miguel Sanchez, who has been regressing a little bit recently, but he's been able to give this team some good innings. Brad Boxberger is a guy that they kicked the Tigers on along Thunder Circle, and both of these guys have come up diamonds for them. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Colton Wong being at the leadoff spot is critical for this team. He's leading the team with a 295 batting average. One deep yesterday. He has been amazing. Tyrone Taylor has multiple home runs. He and Avi Sale Garcia hanging between a 250 and a 260. Now, you got a couple guys that do need to pick it up. Man, 
Manny Pina is not necessarily been too terrific. Christian Yelich still sitting with six home runs. He's got nearly a four-hour base, but that's not necessarily been too great. Omir Nervais has been in and out of the fold, but whenever he's been in it, he has been in it to win it. He's got right around a 380 on base. William Adams, double-digit amount of homers, hitting right around 285 with the Milwaukee Bears. And for the Chicago White Sox, right now they're missing four position players from their starting lineup to begin the year. You have been able to get quite a bit of something. Uh, guys like Jose Abreu, Brian Goodwin, Lori Garcia, all these guys hitting between a 245 and a 260. And for Abreu, this is a man that's in the top five with regards to RBI. Had 75 RBI going into yesterday. Tim Anderson, batting champ from 2019, 305 batting average, but Gavin Sheets seems to be regressing a little bit. Yoel Mankata, right around four on base, but Zach Collins, not necessarily a guy that I'm trusting in as well, right around a 340 on base. And Jake Berger, after he wound up being white hot in his first like 10 or so games, he has not been able to get a hit recently as well. And when you take a look at this White Sox bullpen, you've been able to get a couple guys that have been able to emerge for the team. Ryan Burr has been very good, but Aaron Bummer, since coming off the injured list, he has been not necessarily so great. Garrett Crochet, north of a 5 ERA since the beginning of the month of June. Corey Hoyer has not been able to give you good innings as well. Jose Ruiz has been relatively solid, but I take a look at this spot. I think that the Brewers should be able to dominate this game. New York Post play today is going to be the money line of the Brewers, and I think we've got a great pitching matchup as well. Set this all at 6.3, so we're going to be diving under as well. And now we'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this most wonderful Sunday. A big thanks to our good buddy Mid-Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jaren's41. Keep in mind, letters EM. It mean does not matter. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment, ideas, what have you into there. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.